Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. Protests continue across the United States right now as many, many thousands of people uh, in what started as a demand for justice in the case of George Floyd has um, has spilled over into into other expressions. Uh, And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the ways in which um, a life creates a wake and what happens in in the wake of your life, in life and in death. So uh, a couple of of updates here at the top of the hour. Um, Even as law enforcement across the country are actively condemning the police actions which resulted in the death of George Floyd, um, we are literally watching um, cities uh, on fire, not least of which the city of of Minneapolis. Uh, For those of you who are watching any kind of news feed in addition to listening right now, um, you, what you're seeing uh, are are scenes that you likely never anticipated that you would see in your city. And so I want I want to note that I want to um, be very sober this morning about what is happening, particularly in the city of Minneapolis, but now increasingly across the country as well. And so uh, if you are um, if you are familiar with the city of Minneapolis, just outside of the third precinct, the state patrol, members of the state patrol in full riot gear have lined up at what looks to me to be five men deep across uh, at least 100 yards of uh, of earth um, and road to protect the fire department as the fire department is seeking to put out flames um, on buildings in the surrounding area. Uh, and so a CNN reporter has been arrested but then released. Uh, You're going to hear much made of that today as well. I want to talk for a moment about the reality of a wake, W-A-K-E. What's the first image or idea or thought that comes to mind when I say the word wake? Probably two different images. One, the wake that is created when a boat, uh, motor, propeller, moves through a placid body of water. The disruptive power of the wake of a boat speeding through what was once a peaceful, serene area. The other uh, image that comes to mind is the wake that is the social expression of grief between the death of an individual and their funeral. That is also known as a wake. So I I want to think about those two definitions of the same word for a moment. A wake is created by our actions. What you say and what you do are more than just a drop in the bucket. Your life is creating a wake, and other people have to deal with that. So positively or negatively, your life is either boo, boo, mm -hmm, the word buoy is what I'm looking for, with an I-N-G at the end, buoying, like giving some buoyancy, uplifting other people, or it's swamping them. And 
And so wakes get our attention. Wakes are disruptive of peace. Wakes cause cause, uh, unrest. So let's consider the funeral wake then, understanding that what a wake is, that a wake is that which causes disruption um, in in an environment which, which was once peaceable and placid. A wake, a funeral wake, is this vigil, this social event that is held um, over the dead prior to the funeral. So if you've experienced a funeral wake as a gathering that's limited to, let's say, immediate family and friends in a location, people say nice things, they eat some food, um, then let me invite you this morning to widen the scope of your imagination. Funeral wakes differ widely around the world. I want you to consider the scenes that you have seen on television of the throngs of people across entire nations who wail and mourn in the wake of the death of a particular individual. Um, In our own recent history, consider the way that crowds gathered in L.A. outside of the arena where Kobe Bryant played. Those people didn't know him. They weren't a part of his family. But they grieved together. That was a wake. In the wake of his death, people came together and they grieved publicly. Notably, they didn't also burn down the stadium. I want you to consider the wake that is created both by the life and by the death of George Floyd. Not because he died, but because of how he died. Every life is significant and every life touches every other life. And following that, there is a wake. When we come back, I'm going to share with you the story of the wake created by the life of George Floyd, known as Big Floyd, to those whom he discipled in Houston's Sixth Ward. That conversation, up next. So if the only thing that you know about George Floyd is the way he died, um, I want you to know about the wake of his life today. So I am going to be sharing with you um, a portion of an article posted at ChristianityToday.com entitled, George Floyd Left a Gospel Legacy in Houston. As a person of peace, Big Floyd opened up ministry opportunities in the Third Ward housing projects. So um, while the rest of the country knows George Floyd from several minutes of a cell phone video captured during uh, the final moments of his life, in Houston's third ward, the wake of his life is very, very different. The people in Houston's third ward, which, by the way, is a terribly depressed, uh, violence-ridden neighborhood, um, the people who live there, they know George Floyd for how he lived for decades as a mentor to a generation of young men and what in their community and here today we will call a person of peace. He actually uh, used his, uh, the weight of his life, life, his gravitas, to usher ministries into the area through which people would be helped, through which his uh, community would be served. And so before moving to Minneapolis just a couple of years ago um, for a job opportunity through a Christian work program, Uh, George Floyd spent almost his entire life in the historically black Third Ward of Houston, 
where he was known as Big Floyd. Um, he uh, was, you know, like an elder statesman in a community where young black men die young. And Floyd would often talk about and is uh, is on video with some of his friends in uh, in a Twitter feed. Talking about breaking the cycle of violence that he saw among young people and using his influence to bring outside ministries into the area so that uh, Christ could be glorified. I want you to just think about that for just a moment of all the things you thought you knew about George Floyd. You didn't know this in all likelihood, unless you're reading like ChristianityToday.com. George Floyd was a person of peace. This is uh, from a pastor of the Resurrection Church in Houston who um, holds worship services in this CUNY Homes housing project known uh, locally as the BRICS. He said, uh, George Floyd was a person of peace sent from the Lord. Uh, He helped the gospel go forward in a place where um, I never lived. The platform for us to reach that neighborhood and the hundreds of people we reached through that time up to now, was built on the back of a person, in fact, built on the backs of people like Floyd. Um, and so the the impact of this one man's life, George Floyd, and I, I encourage you, I commend the entire article to you. Again, it's at ChristianityToday.com. Kate Shellnut is the author. George Floyd Left a Gospel Legacy in Houston is the title of the piece. Um, the wake of George Floyd's life is not just what we are witnessing now in the wake of his death. And so let that be um let that be an encouragement to you today. Um the positive impact that you have, the doors that you open, the way that you usher ministries into environments where you are already a person of influence, where you could be a person of peace, where that sows peace, that brings the gospel even through the ministries of others. It paves the way for gospel ministries to move into a particular environment. Um, that's the wake of the life of George Floyd. When we come back, yes, we are going to address what is happening in the wake of his death. That conversation up next. In the wake of life and in the wake of death, there is a disruption of the peace. And so that's the, um, that's sort of the visual image I'm, I'm trying to set as a hook in our minds this morning as we take in and experience and brace ourselves in many cases against um, the wake created in the death, uh, cre- yeah, created in light of the death, in the aftermath of the death, in the wake of the death of George Floyd. So you already know that riots have spread not only uh, throughout uh, the Twin Cities, but um, but far beyond, and they've shifted away from the death of George Floyd. Uh, and I want to just remind us that wakes are like that. Wakes become unfocused the further they move from the origin or the originating event. And so keep that in mind, that in the wake um, there's just often other stuff caught up in in that movement. And so uh, as you watch this continuing unfolding narrative in our national uh, storyline, let us remember that there is a lot uh, built up under the surface of those placid, uh, seemingly placid waters. 
Uh, demonstrators are at first or initially demanding justice. However, uh, the taking over of a Minneapolis police station, burning it down, heaving wood into the flames, kicking down poles with surveillance cameras on them and torching surrounding stores and widespread looting. Um, that's that's not what the person of peace around whose death this is all centered. That is not what this person of peace would want. So, yes, the crowd was protesting. And yes, four officers have been fired. And yes, there is a very rapid effort uh, by the justice system at all levels to um, to to be able to bring charges that will be sticky. Like part of the reason that no one has been arrested and charged is because you can't arrest people unless you're going to charge them and you can't charge them until you have the facts lined up and you know exactly what you're going to charge them with um, so that you're going to be able to actually prosecute them successfully. Because in the end, what um, what law enforcement does now not want, the justice system does not want, is a failed prosecution. Okay, so the National Guard has activated more than 500 soldiers to St. Paul and many in the surrounding communities. Um and the Minneapolis mayor has told uh, uh, has uh, at one thirty a.m. local time in a news conference. Bless his heart. He's been up for days. Um, has explained the officer's retreat from the precinct, saying as situations started to escalate more and more, as we saw more and more people breach the perimeter, it became obvious to me that safety was at risk. Brick and mortar is not in, as important as human life. Um, let's be mindful of that today. Be mindful of that today. Trying to bring some context to the conversation, uh, the chair of Princeton's Department of African-American Studies, Eddie Glaude, um, said that the violence we are seeing reflects a distrust of government and a distrust of the police and that the nation is now going to have to cope with a pandemic, um, which brought an additional wave of massive unemployment and loss of life to the African-American community. Quote, we're on the cusp of a kind of desperation in this country. We not only have a pandemic, we now have pandemonium. Um, you will hear people today say this is what it looks like when when real justice does not flow down and where um, the land of the free and the home of the brave is not a place of equal justice under the law the, the, in the experience of many, many people. So that's a part of the conversation today. Um, this, uh, this broadcast, Mornings with Carmen, is a part of the Faith Radio Network. The Faith Radio Network is a part of the ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, Minnesota. And so I want to read to you what our president, Dr. Alan Curitan, who is a precious brother in Christ and a man of great integrity, wrote to those of us on his team last night as members of the UNW community. These are the words of Dr. Alan Curitan. My heart and soul are crushed with grief. What happened to George Floyd on Monday evening was unjust and evil, done in plain sight. It was shameful, disgusting, and disheartening. The video of the event was difficult to watch, and I kept crying out, please show him mercy. I was in shock. I was angry. Mr. Floyd's death was unjust, pure, and simple. It should never have happened, yet it did. I fear it may not be the last. People in this nation should not live in fear because of the color of their skin. People in this nation should not live in fear of authority, especially those who have been appointed to serve and protect. If we truly believe as a nation that all are created equal, endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then why does this behavior continue to happen? 
We know why. It happens because there is evil in this world. As professing followers of the living Savior, we are commanded to act justly, reflect mercy, and walk humbly with our Lord. In faithful obedience to this instruction from Malachi 6.8, we must speak out against all types of evil and peacefully ensure the protection of our neighbors. If we don't speak out, who will? Let us unite against the injustices perpetrated upon our neighbors. Let us unite as followers of Christ to be the voices with the loudest message, to love our neighbor as Christ loves his church. Throughout history, we have seen how the voice of one person can change the course of history. So ask the Lord for wisdom and guidance, commit your actions to his glory, and then let your voice be heard. Dr. Alan Curitan, president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You are going to hear people raise their voices today. Let yours be one of them. We are going to cry out for justice, for real justice, in the wake of the horrific death um, at the knee of a police officer in a place called the United States of America in the year 2020. Question marks should follow every single one of those observations. What? Here? Now? Really? And then we have to take a good, hard look at ourselves. And that was the counsel of Billy Russell yesterday when we talked together. That was his observation and his counsel. We got to look in the mirror and we got we to gotta find our feet in this. And as people of faith, we live in the wake of the life and the death and the resurrection and the reign and the kingdom and the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. We don't live in the wake of our own lives. We live in the wake of his life. We don't live in the wake of of the deaths of ourselves or our neighbors nearly as much as we live in the wake of the death and, yes, the resurrection and, yes, the ascension and, yes, the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When you lift your voice today, and I want to encourage you to let your voice be heard, When you lift your voice today, let your voice reflect the person of Jesus Christ. Represent him in the world today. This is Pentecost weekend. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit is sent forth in a fresh way and that God's people lift up and declare the good news of the redeeming gospel of Jesus Christ for the salvation of humankind. And let people of every ethnicity who have gathered together in the cities across America for causes other than Christ, let them hear in their own language from us. Let them hear from the voices of Christians that God is great and God is good and the gospel is true and hope is real and justice is a part of that. And we will stand shoulder to shoulder and we will work to see it come. Next up, I've got a conversation with Ed Stetzer from Wheaton's Billy Graham Center. He writes uh, prolifically. You can read much of what he's writing across the nation today, uh, not only in the Dallas Morning News, but in the Washington Post, Christianity Today, on and on. We're going to talk about George Floyd. We're also going to talk about wisely reopening churches this weekend. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 
All right, so let's just uh, remind ourselves um, in the wake of the life and the death of Ravi Zacharias that there is a service today at 10 a.m. You can, uh, Paul, can they listen to it live here on Faith Radio? Uh, I don't think it's be live here. Yeah, it's okay. going to be on the website, though, RZIM's website. All right, rzim.org. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to encourage you to um, to check that out if uh, you need a little uh, uplifting word today. Um, his life is... Well, his life was precious to many, many of us. And um, in death, he belongs to the Lord in the same way that in life he did and advocated that others would do so as well. So the Ravi Zacharias uh, service at 10 a.m. this morning at rzim.org. Next up, Ed Stetzer. Um, You know him from lots of different um, environments. Uh, We're just going to introduce him currently as being from Wheaton, the Billy Graham Center. He's going to come and talk with us about a whole litany of things. That's up next. Here on Mornings with Carmen. We don't like to wait. We're the giddy-up generation. We frown at the person who takes 11 items to the 10-item express checkout. We drum our fingers while the microwave heats our coffee. Come on, come on, come on. We don't like to wait. This is Max Locato. But look around you. Do you realize where we sit? This planet is God's waiting room. The young couple waiting to get pregnant. The guy with the briefcase, waiting for work, waiting on God to give, to help, waiting on God to come. The land of waiting. And you, are you in God's waiting room? You may be infertile or inactive, in limbo, in between jobs, or in search of a house, spouse, health, or help. Here's what you need to know. While you wait, God works. God never twiddles his thumbs. He never stops. Just because you're idle, don't assume God is. Trust Him. In the right time, you'll get through this. This is Max Looking. Joining me now, Ed Stetzer. You know him from uh, an enormous array of ministry environments and experiences. I'm talking him to him today. Uh, I'm assuming from Wheaton at the Billy Graham Center, unless he's at home. Ed, good morning. Where are you? I'm at home. Are we even allowed out anymore? I'm I'm actually at and, at home. I, I I almost sent you a picture of you. Um, I was I don't even know. I was watching a news station, <laughs> and there you were at the White House. So it was right there. No. You're the only one looking at the camera. You're only one at the camera that, looking and smiling. Okay, so that is so funny because that's not me. I mean, I saw that picture and I got your reference, but that's not me. Did you not think okay, that can was, I, you looked like can, you? Could I, well, yeah, it looked like me, but can I just confess to you that I've never been to the White House? How about that? Okay, well, it looked a lot well, like you, you so I, I apologize. Okay, well. No, that's on. okay. I, I, I appreciated that you thought I would be the one person in the Oval Office who knew how to take a picture, I mean, how to look at a camera when a picture was being taken. It was I so did funny. Appre- it was like everyone I, else I did appreciate was like, that. like, you know, everyone else looking at something, like at each other or outside, and then there you are just, or not you, your doppelganger smiling. <laughs> We're going to have to find out who that is, right? Because there is somebody roaming around looking a lot like me, but not me. There you go. Okay. So let's, um, where do you want to start? Because I want to talk with you about wisely reopening churches. I also want to talk with you about QAnon, conspiracies, and Christians. And I want to talk about uh, George Floyd. Now we have spent all before lunch. I know. So yeah, I know. Well, we have um, we have spent most of the hour today talking about the George Floyd sure um, sure. entire you know conversation. So maybe we just touch on that one briefly, and then we move um, more deeply into those other conversations. 
Sure. Impact, of course, a lot of your stations and your listeners in and around Minneapolis, St. Paul and more, but also worthy for all of us, I think, of discussion, because uh, this is something that is not just that the uh, African-American community, we should say, well, this is their concern. This is our con- all of our concern. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, when we think about justice and we think about injustice and when we think about um, big issues that face us as Christians and we consider how do I, as an individual Christian, bring my voice to bear in this kind of conversation? you have any thoughts on that? Indeed. I think there are a lot of um, people asking that question. What do I do? You know, because we saw in just last week, we saw George Floyd. We saw that Central Park 911 call where that 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 woman calling clearly uh, said, I'm going to tell him there's an African-American man bothering me. And I call up, there's an African-American man threatening me. And 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 of course, that wasn't true. And yet yet we, we saw what uh, our African-American sisters and brothers have already known. We, we saw because cameras enabled us to see that people will be treated differently because of their race or they'll be may accusations brought against them or more. And, and so I think that's worth all of us to notice. And I think the appropriate response is and was a sense of anger. Now, a righteous anger, not this sort of anger that just doesn't help us to think uh, about what to do next. But I think that anger might cause us, for example, to advocate for better training for the police. It might advocate for better understanding who our who our African-American friends and neighbors are. Many of our listeners here, African-American, know that sometimes uh, people in the Anglo community are kind of not don't necessarily understand or have built relationship with them to know who they are. And I think ultimately we who what happens when no one is looking when cameras aren't recording um, happens often. Esau Macaulay, who's my uh, colleague here at Wheaton College, he's a New Testament professor. He's, he said, and I quoted him in my article at Christianity Today, African-Americans don't need the videos. We've lived the experience of being black in this country. The videos are not for us. They're for everyone else. Instead, what we are witnessing is the collective triggering of an entire people who have their own stories and traumas. So, I mean, I think ultimately, and, you know, Esau, Esau is, uh, is a New Testament professor. And so you're stepping into a different space and having this conversation really matters. So I think those of us who may have influence, we need to use that influence. And I think something as simple as sharing your concern uh, that we might have better police training. And again, I, I come from a law enforcement family. My brother's a federal prosecutor. My sister-in-law is a uh, works in the district attorney's office. My uncle, New York City cop, you know, so so and, and they want this, too. They they want police to receive the best kind of training they can so we can stop seeing some of these realities. Talking with Ed Stetzer, um, you can find him in a myriad of places. Um, I I just tend to find you um, on Twitter. But are, is there yes, somewhere else Twitter. you'd prefer that I send people? Twitter's, you well, know, I a mean, happy place, right? It is. It is a happy, toxic place. Um, they go to my website. It's edstetzer.com. And from there, it goes to... Christine today, and we, I have a radio show, and uh, you know blogs, podcasts. Hey, my people know. My people know you have a radio show because we air it. I mean, you we do. love that. That's so fun. I know, so great. Okay, so let's um, let's pivot. Let's talk about safely and wisely reopening churches. I, can yeah. I just tell you, I don't like the word reopening. I don't feel like my church was ever closed. We yep. we stopped having in person services and events, but we've been open the whole time. So. Anyway, I'll just pitch that into the conversation and then let yeah, you, you run. You feel better it. having gotten that out. <laughs> I do. I want, I want, That's pretty I much why I have a two-hour radio show because I have a lot of stuff to just get out. 
I got a lot yeah. of grievances to air. It's Festivus. Um, okay, so so yeah, so so here's the thing. Um, I'm going to use the word reopening just to bother you, but um, it was a lot easier to close the churches than it's going to be to reopen them and to regather them might be the more technical technical term. Um, partly because um, there's a complexity that's there that has to be acknowledged. And I recognize this this whole cheering squad that's basically saying, "No, let's bring everybody back." and and, you know, it's a it's a First Amendment right, and we're going to show those governors. And, yeah, okay, great. Um, and then you have senior adults in your church, and you have the 14-year-old who's going through chemo, and you have the 27-year-old with asthma. And all of a sudden, that seems a very different proposition. So we're actually, um, you know, I don't, for those of who might be listeners in Illinois, uh, we actually, yesterday, our governor pretty much reversed course. And move to uh, guidelines rather than mandated restrictions. So what, what's happening is, is that due to the length of the crisis, no one really disagreed that you couldn't, you could, you, well, I'm sure there's some, but it appears that most people agreed that governors can uh, limit gatherings for a period of time. But over time, uh, courts have reversed that. And they, re- they reversed that by saying that the worst of the crisis is over. I mean, everyone, everyone, the vast majority of people agree that in a crisis, their governors can step in. But, you know, Wisconsin has now no restrictions, their Supreme Court, Illinois, as of yesterday, for churches. But I will tell you, um, you know, we still have pretty high community spread in Chicagoland area. We're not, you know, I'm the interim teaching pastor at the Moody Church for the next three weeks. I do not anticipate that I will see a gathered congregation before I finish serving as the interim teaching pastor at Moody Church. So there's a, a, a thoughtful process here. And I actually provide a whole bunch of resources, like, you know, a bunch of slides to help people think this through. If people are interested and they go to, they go to my website, edstetzer.com slash resources, they can see all of that there. But I would say it's going to be um, tricky because pastors, I mean, they've got one group of people yelling in their ear, we got to do this for the sake of religious liberty. This is, this is, this, this isn't even a big deal. This, this COVID-19 it's, it's, I, I, people tweet me all the time. It's not even got the death rate of the flu. Um, you know, yet 100,000 people dead in our country just a couple of days ago. Other people are, I mean, we we have one church here in our area that did a survey, which I think is a great thing for churches to do. And there were a surprising number of people who said, I'm never coming back until this disease is eradicated. And and I get it. And they're, they're just wanting to watch online. And But they are older. You know, all those wonderful senior adult women who man the nursery at, you know, First Lutheran Church, thank God for them. Well, I'm not sure they're going to be jumping back in to man the, the nursery for a while. So I think pastors and leaders are going to have to really gently and carefully navigate. Uh, for example, should you wear masks in church? My guess is most churches, at least in our area, in the uh, where I live, in the uh, in Illinois, greater Chicago area, I think that they will mandate mask wearing. And then you're going to have somebody says, well, I don't think I need to wear a mask. It's bad for me to wear a mask. Well, here's where it gets tricky. I think churches should, elders, vestry, board, whatever they call them, should or congregations, if they're congregationalists, should say, this is what we're going to do. And if the leaders and the church has decided, for example, that we'll sit six feet apart, you know, families together, but six feet between families, we'll wear masks, we'll start at 25% capacity, and then some people are going to say, well, I'm not going to abide by that, then that's why leadership is hard. And elders and pastors need to say, well, then you, you have to wait, you can't come back. And if you do come back, um, we're going to have to not meet. In other words, you you can't come in a way that feels threatening to our other members of the church. And I know it's hard, but that's what leadership is about. I think that's the article that your uh, Paul, your, your staff had texted me uh, about about using because 
I think uh, this is going to be a tricky thing because people have different opinions and views. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think you have illuminated so many of the of the conversations that are taking place among church leaders across the country. Um, let me just say this to those of you who are listening. If, you're, if your church has a rule about whether or not you can bring coffee into the sanctuary, um, there are people who joyfully abide by that and think it's really important. And there are people who think that's not a good rule and that they should yep. be able to have coffee in the sanctuary. And they set their own okay. rules. And they set their own rules. So masks is kind of the same sort of conversation. And so oh, let's, yeah, right. Yeah. And so I think that though, to give a little perspective on it for the, um, so that it's not just all centered on whether or not we're going to wear masks and for how long and, and where and when, da, da, da. Um, but like coffee in the sanctuary is the same conversation. It's just a different place and time than this. So um, I'm talking with Ed Stetzer. You should check out edstetzer.com because that makes it easier for me to not have to give you uh, his, the 50 places that you could find him. He and I are talking today about pieces he currently has posted at ChristianityToday.com um, and the Dallas Morning News, DallasNews.com. That conversation is up next. That is about QAnon, conspiracies, and Christians. That conversation in just a moment. Okay, so um, I, I'm, I always struggle to figure out exactly how to introduce Ed Stetzer and reintroduce him because uh, I think that at, in his heart of hearts, he is a church planter and, That's true. Um, and, a, and a pastor. And so although you're, you're also you know, kind of a data wonk and you like the way that uh, information applies itself and works its way out in our common life and, and you're a leadership uh, equipper, um, and you're an excellent writer. You provoke us to think deeply about so many things. I think I'm just going to say, you know, Ed Stetzer, the church planter, currently not planting a particular church, but planting <laughs> churches and helping others revitalize uh, and pastor their congregations. So there you go. You can find him at yeah, edstetzer.com. Well, and I would say friend of Carmen. That, that's my biggest thing that goes on the business card. Yeah, it's. I know. I, I think that it ran off the end, though, the last business card I saw. I, do you even have business cards anymore? Is that a thing you do? No. No, people do seems, it electronically. Yeah. People do ask for business cards, and I'm kind of like, uh, well, here, now I'm just going to say them, COVID-19. We're not touching each other's cards. So anyway. I could send you some of mine, and then you could hand them to them, and there you go. Hey, we Thanks. would probably make you podcast cards. Faith Radio would yeah. probably like, like right? Then I your like picture it. would be on it. It'd be really fun. Okay, um, there you go. Uh, let's talk about QAnon, conspiracies, and Christians. Yeah. My people, by the way, know a little bit about QAnon, but um, let's tee it up this way. Ed Stetzer, what is QAnon? Okay, so the article I wrote, Dallas Morning News, um, I think addressed QAnon, but again, I should say I'm not a QAnon expert. Um, I wrote a series of three articles, one in Christianity Today, then the Dallas Morning News asked me to write one and gave me the front page of the opinion section, which is kind of fun. I had to have somebody ship me the paper, um, and then we've done some follow-up. So QAnon is one of a series of conspiracies, but QAnon— is that a conspiracy that there is somebody high up in the uh, in the in, in the midst of the uh, establishment, let's say, who is leaking information, and there's soon to be what's called a great awakening that will let everyone see that the bad people will be arrested, people in power who've been engaged in uh, uh, pedophile trafficking and more children trafficking pedophiles. Um, and that's you know pretty pretty big news if it would happen. It's caught a lot of people's attention. That you know, but the conspiracy theories in general, you know, the idea that five G cell towers are spreading 
uh, impacting people's immunity that allows the vaccine to uh, the disease to spread or that the vaccine is part of a global plan. Bill Gates is part of a conspiracy. Dr. Fauci, who a lot of people were seeing as a hero, is now part of that conspiracy. Really, to believe all this, you have to believe that, um, particularly the ones about coronavirus, that this is some sort of, uh, not a pandemic, but a plandemic, is to believe all this, you have to believe that President Trump, the Democrats, the media, uh, the all the CDC and the NIH, they're all in on this for some nefarious motive and I think you'd be surprised at the number of people who actually uh, do believe some of these conspiracies. And my concern is for Christians and, you know, here I, I was watching right around Easter. These conspiracies were starting to bubble up. And this one account was saying, man, I think, the you know, that this is a conspiracy and and, you know, and this is a conspiracy. Oh, and this is a conspiracy. And then, oh, here are the four reasons that the resurrection was real. And mm-hmm. then this is a conspiracy after that. What I would say is, is that that really undermines our Christian witness when we are easily fooled and gullible people who share conspiracy theories in to our neighbors on social media when we ultimately should be spending more time sharing the gospel, but sharing things that are uh, eventually demonstrably proven to be false. We can go back to Pizzagate or the Seth Rich conspiracy or a hundred others that became internet conspiracies, that the end result is, is that we, um, we spread misinformation that can be harmful for our communities. But um, for me, particularly of interest, is it's harmful for our witness. I like this line. Gullibility is not a Christian virtue. Yeah. Yeah. And I think ultimately what we found was, and this was during the 2016 election, is that regardless of them not like, comment on people's vote, that was a complex decision everybody had to make. What I'm talking what I'm talking about is is that when later on I got an email from Twitter saying that I had been extensively interacted with by uh, fake accounts created by a Russian troll farm, which was fascinating to me because I don't generally interact much on Twitter, but they were interacting a lot with me. And the reason they were was they were trying to sow discord. And there was one analysis done uh, that kind of connected with the Russian troll farm, I think, in somewhere in the north side of Russia. And um, they were disproportionately effective in fooling conservative religious people. In other words, people like me and people like you. And they had a lot of follows, a lot of shares. And I I just at the end of the day, I want the world to know the one who died on the cross for our sin and in our place that God raised from the dead on the third day. And I will tell you that as someone who deeply cares about our gospel witness, you know, I lead the Billy Graham Wheaton, excuse me, the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, someone who deeply cares about our gospel witness, I would just say that people don't want to listen to a group that is easily fooled and gullible. And we can't be that group. We've got to use our discernment. We've got to use our thinking. We've got to really get under the lordship of Jesus Christ, our desire to sort of find the worst things about the people we don't like so we might discredit them and instead say, the truth shall make you free. I know somebody who talked about that, who said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and I think his way is better than that way. Ed, um, thank you so much, as always, um, for everything that you do every single day. You guys can find Ed Stetzer at edstetzer.com. Let me commend to you um, the articles we've discussed this morning from the Dallas Morning News, as, way, as well as the many that he has posted at Christianity Today. Um, you can connect with all of it just simply by going to edstetzer.com. Also, you know, you got to listen to him here on the radio. What are you doing this week on the radio? Uh, you know, we're actually we're probably talking about conspiracy theories. And so yeah, we, well, we've had go. such interest in that. So we're going to have a show specifically on that. It's huge. Thanks, man.
We appreciate it. We'll good, talk to you soon. Good to hear your voice. Likewise. We'll be right back. Oh, I, there's no right back. There is no right back. I'm almost out of time. Let me just say this. Thank you for those of you who prayed for my mom. She is in uh, recovery. This is, the surgery was successful yesterday while we were here on air. Um, and I think that by next Friday, maybe I'll get to see her. Okay. Uh, have a, oh, it's a great weekend. It's Pentecost weekend. Ravi Zacharias service at 10 a.m. Let me not forget anything else. Paul, anything I'm forgetting? Let us be praying for those in leadership. Yeah, Their jobs well, are really, really hard right now. Right. You said uh, the Ravi Zacharias on his website at rzim.org, 10 o'clock Central, 11 Eastern. Amen. All right, friends, have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.